Welcome to I Fucking Love This Record, a music podcast hosted by me, the Derek Careview. Every week, a guest and I will be discussing an album that we both fucking love. We're going to find out how the record or band entered our lives. We're going to do some track-by-track observations and, of course, any other thoughts that come our way. Warning, these are conversations held by adults, and sometimes bad words will appear unedited. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today we're going to be talking about Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, which is the fifth studio album by Black Sabbath, released in December 1973. So it was produced by the band and was certified platinum in October of 1986. So it's not one of their big sellers. But with me today on the other mic is my brother-in-law and fellow high school metalhead, Joe Owens. (laughs) Joe, tell the folks about yourself. So I am... Derek's brother-in-law, as noted. For my day job, I am a software consultant, but I am a certified metalhead. Love Black Sabbath. This is a, a great album. We, we've had many conversations about it and our favorite song, so looking forward to talking about some Sabbath. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is how did this album or band, whatever, enter my life? So I somehow ended up with this album on vinyl long before I started collecting vinyl. And I remember listening to just side one basically over and over. And it was either in 10th grade or 11th grade. I can't quite remember. So I was, let's say, 15 or 16. And uh, as we said before, I was a metalhead in high school. And, and I knew Black Sabbath, uh, obviously, but I mainly knew the hits. And mainly what I knew was through Ozzy's live album, Speak of the Devil. So I knew that before I knew, let's say, Black Sabbath proper. And I wouldn't really get into the band until a few years later. Uh, So I liked, but I just really, something about this record, because I was listening to current stuff, but I was also reaching back a little bit. What about you, Joe? How did either this album or or how did Black Sabbath enter your life? Uh, This is a good one. So specifically this album. So as we've talked about, I grew up in a fundamentalist Pentecostal church. Uh, It's a big part of my life. And I got introduced to music through the church, believe it or not. You know, this was the heyday of satanic panic in the 80s. When So we would have these uh, these youth ministers, these preachers come in and do these anti-rock seminars. And they would play records backwards and they would show videos and they would play these songs. And I would thought, holy shit, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And but this <laughs> album in particular, this was one of their, this was really on their list because of the cover right and and you know it was demonstrated if you look at the cover you see this this man in bed he's being ripped apart by demons this very evil satanic cover and then you turn it on the back you see kind of the same scene in a more benevolent light you see the guy laying there you know he's sick he's being attended by his his you know their family whatever and it's very kind of angelic so it's an opposite but they would always show this cover in their slides and these presentations. Again, I was just blown away by it. I'm like, holy shit, that's cool. Of course, Ozzy. Um, I probably knew more about Ozzy solo at the time. You know, again, through like this was the Blizzard of Oz, and the, the Randy Rhodes era. So, you know, he showed up yeah. on the radar and biting the heads off of bats. And he was a big part of that. So, I, you know, and at that time, I don't think I really put together that Ozzy and Black Sabbath was there. But I think that once I, I kind of eventually did, I realized, okay, wow, that's, that's Ozzy. And then obviously dove into the majesty that is Sabbath, which I love. Much better than Ozzy Solo, but still, I think that's how my introduction came. <laughs> so you can thank the the Church of God for <laughs> my introduction to Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. I wonder how many metalheads churches actually created. Oh, I bet there's a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> we should... 
tried to do some kind of outreach. It was like the church turned me into a metalhead. Yeah, yeah. Show. I think this is probably my favorite Sabbath record, even though I know there are others that are, let's say, more celebrated. Or uh, and when we get into the track by track, we'll, sure, yeah, uh, yeah, see how that goes. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of wondered that was, this was your favorite. Well, yeah, why you picked uh, in your list of records? why this was your sabbath when i reach for sabbath which is not all the time anymore but when i do i would say seven times out of ten i'm grabbing this record and mainly because of the first two tracks we'll get into that really the first six sabbath records just as a whole are foundational they should be carved into a mountain or something absolutely you know i love a ton of their stuff anything off those first six and sporadically after ozzy leaves the band and really the first three or four ozzy records i do enjoy this is the foundation of heavy metal right oh here. absolutely if you take every song off those first six records there's probably some band that owes their entire career to just one song let's get into the track by track yeah. the uh first track off the album is the title track sabbath bloody sabbath one of the things i I've been playing around with is that there are different types of album openers and that's one of the things i'm kind of looking okay. at how would you describe this particular opener there's the call to action which is meant to announce the album's arrival it's usually what like you can hear it as a concert opener just boom right. there's the album that's a good, good way to put it call to action like kind of, kind of the joseph campbell approach to music yeah, yeah. yeah uh so that's one of them the other one is I, I say is the teaser it doesn't sound like the rest of the album it's usually pretty short it's like a little bit of a something and then the album really seems to start proper there's the setup which doesn't sound radically different from what the rest of the album is going to give you, but it's all about really setting up the second song, which is the one that hopefully is just going to punch you in the face. Then there's the blueprint, which gives you kind of an overview of what to expect. You're going to hear the themes, sounds, whatever. Sometimes the blueprint is just song one, but other times it's kind of, let's say, a slightly pumped up version of what you're about to hear. Right. Now, there's probably more, but these are the four that I identified all okay. this. Okay, and I totally see that. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that Sabbath Bloody Sabbath is a call to action opener because that opening riff, that fucking riff is enough to power a mid-sized city's power grid. Now, I'll say this. I'll be honest. It's one of my mm-hmm. lesser favorite songs on the album. I love it. It's a, it's a great song. And in, in terms of like you want to say single quality, definitely it is the one. But you know, I, I find myself, if I listen to the album as a whole, I don't skip it, but, you know, it's I, I love it compared to some of the other tracks on it. I, I, I think it's one of the weaker, to be honest. You wow. Know? Okay. Yeah. That's I, I, a... I, I feel that way. And maybe it's because it's a little more, I don't know, radio friendly. I, 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 you can't call it pop, but, you know, and I think it is one of their more radio friendly songs. I think it's, you know, next to Iron Man and paranoid you probably hear this more than anything else it, it is one of my my lesser favorite songs on the album uh, and this is actually one of my favorites by them generally the one that kind of draws me back to the album and why I, I tend to put this one on side one especially if it's one of those i'm at home by myself and i'm drinking some beer and i'm playing some vinyl a lot of times i won't listen to both sides of a record just so i can get to the next one i don't have all that much time kids are hopefully asleep <laughs> yeah, or wherever yeah. and so like this is what i'll reach out because i know i can listen to side one bang it out get what i want from it and then go on to something else. Right. Second song, a national acrobat. 
What about you? This is one of my top favorites. I just, I love this song. This is just one of those. It has, has an odd groove to it that it just, I don't know. I, this is one of my favorites. I, I find myself wanting to get through Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath to get to this song. <laughs> All right. And I will say this is not just my favorite song on the album. This is my favorite song by the band, period. I almost agree with that. Now, I'll say, you know, we mentioned whether this was your favorite Black Sabbath album. I would probably say, to be honest with you, I'm more of a Dio fan. So my favorite Black Sabbath album is Heaven and Hell. A whole other conversation, but my favorite Ozzy era Sabbath album is probably Master of Reality. I I love Mm -hmm. Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, but... The fact that this song, I, I, I almost agree with that. Master of Reality definitely could have been on this as well, because I really like that record, and there's a there's a ton of great stuff on that record. So that's probably neck and neck, depending on what day you ask me which one yeah. I like better. But it, for me, it really comes down to a national acrobat, because the lyrics... They're just mysterious enough that I don't know what they're talking about, but I feel like I want to know what they're talking about. I read somewhere that it was just all about Ozzy becoming a father for the first time. But he really doesn't write the lyrics, so I don't know if he yeah. actually wrote the lyrics for that one or not. I think Geezer wrote most of the lyrics. That, that's what I was going to say. Geezer's... Yeah, he was generally the lyricist. Uh, Ozzy would, would come up with the melodies and stuff, but he wasn't really... Uh, he was never really a songwriter, but I... I don't know if that was him talking about it that got Geezer to write it or if he wrote part of it or I really don't know. I didn't do a lot of research. Yeah, it kind of has the, the unborn child kind of, yeah, some of the, yeah, that's weird lyrics in that they all have more, but yeah, it kind of talks about that. So, well, that kind of makes sense. But I just, I love the groove. I just, I love that. Yeah, it has, like you said, just that different feel to it. While it still has all the elements that make it Black Sabbath, there is just something about it that's just a little bit different. I think that's what really appeals to me. Because it doesn't go completely, it's like not a completely different song. You wouldn't be surprised to see that was Black Sabbath, but it still was not exactly what uh, what you would mainly expect. Right. Like, whereas Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, that's a blueprint for Sabbath right there. It's just, it's the riffs, it, it's the groove, and it just kind of pummels you. Yeah, well, like you said, the, the, the format, the order of songs on the record... It's a perfect follow-up to Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, which, like I said, it's, you know, I, has, I, I hate to call it radio-friendly. It makes it sound like I'm saying it pop, but it's a little more one of those tunes, you know. But followed up by this song brings that, that second punch to it, you know. Definitely. So I wasn't quite prepared to say that Sabbath Bloody Sabbath was a teaser or anything. It's still a call to action because I think it's just, it's big and it's just there. And I could easily see them opening up shows during that tour with that song. That's going to get the blood pumping. Whereas, you know, I would love to, to see a national acrobat played live, but, you know, you're not going to start a show with that. I wonder if it ever has. I, I wonder if they've ever, I've, you know, I've, I've lit, preparing for this, listening to some of these deep tracks, I've thought, I wonder if they've ever played this live. Maybe back when the album came out. Yeah, maybe. But you figure by this time with that album five, you know, they had plenty to choose from, so they may not have played it. I'll have to look at that. You can look up playlists online. I think it's like playlist.fm. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. Well, hey, I do have a question. We moved on from Sabbath Play Sabbath. What do you think of the uh, the Anthrax cover? Have you ever heard it? I have heard that. And I think that's on their nice fucking EP or something like that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. One of those. So, so it, was, it was on an EP. I, you know, I was never a huge Anthrax fan. I liked Anthrax, but something about their their drum sound always kept me away a little bit hey, okay. uh, but they do have they have some great songs don't get me wrong i mean they, i think they are definitely deserved of that big four designation it was just never yeah. never 100 percent on board with anthrax but i did like them and i want to say that i honestly don't remember if i heard the anthrax cover first and i think maybe that's why i ended up with that 
particular Sabbath record because I think I liked the Anthrax. And then somebody had right, the yeah. album on vinyl and I borrowed it. That's why I listened to it. What about you? I loved it. I, I, and it's funny you you said that because now I actually think of it. I may have heard the Anthrax cover first, but I loved it. I, 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 I'm a fan. I like Anthrax a lot. I've seen them live a few times. They put on a great show. And I, I think it's one of the better. There's been a lot of great Sabbath covers, but I think I think this one of the better ones. I like the Anthrax cover. Yeah. It's heavy. You know, they, they captured the essence of the song, but it's got that. I think Anthrax has got a good deep crunch, and I think they bring that to their cover of it. A National Acrobat, did Metallica cover part of it? I'm not sure. Because if I remember, somebody covered it, but not the whole song. If they have, I might look it up after mm-hmm. this. Because yeah. All right, that brings us on to track three, Fluff, which is an <laughs> instrumental track, very different sounding than anything that you would expect. What's your opinion on Fluff? I like it. I think it's a beautiful little melody. I, it's. I'm not a big fan of instrumentals, but it's kind of short. It's not something I'm going to grab the album and, and listen to. The worst thing about it is it's named Fluff, and it kind of fits. <laughs> you know, I, and you can almost imagine Tony and them all rehearsing in the studio and Tony Iommi being like, hey, mates, I've got this beautiful riff. Listen to this. And he sits down and plays this and they're like, oh, we got to put it on the album. What are we going to call it? Well, I don't know. It's just a bit of fluff. And <laughs> so... I wonder if that was the um, inspiration for Lick My Love Pump on Spinal Tap. <laughs> Very well could be. It's a fun little instrumental break. Right? Fun's probably not the right word for it, but it is, it's It's a really pretty piece of music. But for what it is, I think it could have been way shorter because it's over four minutes long. Is it really that long? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it does. If you think about it, it does kind of go on for a while, doesn't it? Yeah, it's my biggest issue with that because, yeah, it's over. It's four minutes, eight seconds long. If it would have been like two minutes, great. But no, way, way too long. Okay. That makes that makes sense. But yeah, I like it. Like I said, I think it's a beautiful little melody, kind of haunting, kind of sad, kind of, I don't know, I like it. Then track four, which would be closing side one of the album, which is Sabracadabra. And as I remember it, yes. this is the song. Metallica covered Sabracadabra on Garage Incorporated. And there's a sample of a national acrobat in that. Oh, okay. Huh. No, I did not know that either. I love this song. This is another one of my favorites. I like this one a lot, and I think it's sneaky how good this is. And I think a lot of this really comes down to the drumming. And I don't really, I'm not a musician, so I don't often listen to like individual parts outside of, let's say, the guitar, which is obviously the focus, especially of, of heavier music. But every once in a while, something will catch my attention, whether it's a bass line or, or a drum fill or oh, something. Yeah, yeah. And with this one, there's just some boogie to it, which you don't often think of with Sabbath. So just between the riff, which is pretty much a right and ready, tried and true Sabbath riff, but just something about the drumming on this song that I think really is what separates it from a lot of the other things that they Definitely. do. Yeah, yeah. I just, I tell you, this is one of my go-to jukebox songs. If I get, if I'm out of the bar somewhere, play it, we're hitting the jukebox, I will almost always play this song. I think it's a good, it's just got a good vibe. It makes you feel good. It, it's a bar... <laughs> Black Sabbath isn't something you often think of as a bar song, but this to me is a bar song. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree with that. I could see why you would choose this because, and again, I think it comes down to that boogie and that a lot of times if someone's going to go play a Black Sabbath song, you know you're going to hear the three radio-ready yeah. Sabbath songs at some point. But when you reach just a little bit deep like that, because this is not one of their hits, not one of the ones you find on a, on a Greatest Hits exactly. collection, but it's great it's just such a great song i don't know that i've ever played it on a jukebox but next time i see it on a jukebox i will because i would agree with you that's a great song to have a couple of beers shooting yeah, in yeah. the pool because then people will be like 
yeah, fuck yeah, Sabbath, but it's not one of the three songs they're expecting to hear. Yeah. In fact, I remember I was out, we, we were, we were camping over Thanksgiving and your dad had given us a uh, card to get into the Amvets and we went there and we were drinking cheap and drinking a lot. And I played this and I remember some old guy coming up to me being like, who played this song? And I'm like, Hey, it's me. And he's like, Oh, just, this is my favorite black Sabbath song. Thank you for playing this. I haven't heard it for many years. I'm like, that's cool. So, you know, somebody, like you said, this is a, you know, when you think of black Sabbath, Sabra cadaver is not what comes to mind, but the fact that this no. guy, random stranger at a vet's bar. It's like, oh, I love this song. That's cool. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, so now we have to flip the vinyl over. We're on side two, track one, track five of the old album, Killing Yourself to Live. For me, I think this one has a little bit of a generic start. It's not the great Sabbath riff. For me, a little bit of a letdown because Sabbath Cadabra is so great. And a lot of times, let's say I'm listening to this, especially if I'm listening to this on CD or if I'm listening to it on my iPod, I'm going to skip fluff. Like every time. If I have vinyl on, I'll listen to it, but I will skip fluff every time. So I'm going to hear Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, A National Acrobat, and then Sabra Cadabra, which is just awesome, the best, super awesome. And then Killing Yourself to Live, which I think that initial yeah. is a little bit of a letdown, just slightly. Not a lot, but about a minute in, right. the song really picks up some steam and the riff really just envelops you. Unfortunately, I think it loses a little bit of the, the song loses some of the tension when it gets to the solo. But one of the things I can say about these guys, especially these first couple records, they are a little bit guilty of noodling. I think a lot of their songs could be about a minute shorter, uh, if not more. I love see, I, I love that, though. I like the noodling. I'm, I'm a little more of a fan of jam bands mm. I, I i like that so that don't usually bother me. yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying i could see why if you didn't it would bother you but i think man I, and you can't get a better noodler than tony I mean, he knows he's the riff master that's one thing you got to say about black sabbath nobody has riffs like no 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 they are <laughs> you know tony Omi is probably my all-time favorite guitar player or or up there definitely top five yeah and i know that a lot of that's the product of the time you know you were expected to do a little bit of this i think almost every one of these songs could handle about a minute shave <laughs> you know i've always thought that I, one thing I've, I've thought of black sabbath as the anti-grateful dead uh-huh <laughs> You know they're the they're the evil side of the hippie movement. They're the they're the anti grateful dead. It kind of still have I, I could I could compare them. You know we could do a whole analysis of that. But I, there's there's things those instrumental breaks those those things that Tony does is almost like Jerry Garcia. And you can accuse Grateful Dead of doing the same noodling too much. So so Black Sabbath is the anti Grateful Dead. I wouldn't say that they noodle like the Grateful Dead noodles. And I'm not really I don't like the Grateful Dead, so I don't listen to their <laughs> stuff. Because I like songs. That's I just don't like if the whole point is noodling, it doesn't do anything right. for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they go overboard with it. I just think a lot of these songs could be reined in just a little bit. But I think that's also a product nineteen seventy three. Exactly. What do you think about killing yourself to live? This is probably my least favorite favorite song on the record and again i don't think it's bad i'm not saying but in terms of just the sound i, I, I like you put it good it's generic it's just a generic sabbath song it's listenable you know by by all means but i don't think there's really sure. anything outstanding about it one thing about this I, and I tend to listen you talking about how you skip songs playing cd at least especially lately i've been listening to vinyl and i usually listen to this as a record and the second side kind of is all kind of blends in i think these especially these next probably what the first three tracks just are almost kind of like versions of the same song in a way they kind of go into different modes on it i'm just listening to it usually as a whole 
all these songs are kind of the same. They're like three parts to a theme. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. The only thing I think the next song, so Who Are You, is the only thing that interrupts that. I think if you move track six up and then if you had Killing Yourself to Live, Looking for Today, and Spiral Architect, I would agree with that. Okay. But I think this next one, moving on from that, so Who Are You has the spooky keyboard intro. Yeah. This is the first time I think we really hear significant keys. You know, my thing with this one is it's just a little draggy and a little too... I'm giving you a message. Religion is bad. I'm fine with that message. I just don't. Sabbath can be pretty preachy. Yeah, I agree with that. This one just drags. And for me, it's the type of song that works within the context of an album. So like if I was listening to side two, I probably wouldn't skip this one. But there's zero times in my life where I'm like, ooh, you know what I need to hear today? Who are you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So but what did you think about the keyboards on this one? I, it works. I, I, you know, I, I think it works. It does functional for the song. Again, I, yeah, like I said, to me, this is just a bridge into the next song that the second side moves together. I see what you're saying, that this is a little different, but to me, it's kind of more of a bridge. And I think that, you know, a little different instrument. Who played Who played keyboards? Is this Jeff Nichols, the guy that they brought in with Dio, or do you have any I idea? I do not know. <laughs> I, I guess that's another thing we could look up. Well, because I was thinking of, you know, you, you got that little tiny bit of piano on fluff. Yeah. And I was trying to think, yeah, I guess the only other song we hear piano on is Changes. Oh, it looks like Rick Wakeman from Yes. Oh, really? Wow. According to this, uh, yeah, he he appeared on this particular album, did some keyboard parts on Sabracadabra and something else. I could be, I don't know if he did the whole thing, but that's just... I'm glad you looked that up. <laughs> brings us on to uh, track seven, Looking for Today. Now, you're on the record as saying this is, let's say one part of many. Is there anything uh, about this song that stands out for you? I like it. I, I think I like it. I think it's uh, getting a little a little peppier. I, I, I like, you know, it, it, it kind of has a little more of an upbeat sure. feel. Kind of picks back up no, nowhere near in the ballpark of, of Sabracadabra, but it kind of picks up on that little more of a groovy vibe. Yeah. So for me, I like the first part of this song, like the, the first two, three minutes of the song, I, I like better than the rest before they get to the chorus. So I like the whole, because the, the hook for, you know, when was the last time that you cried? And I think he has a couple rhymes with that. Uh, and the way he carried out cried, yeah, I yeah. like that. But I don't care for the, you know, looking for today, you know, that kind of thing doesn't do doesn't do a whole lot for it. not and obviously Ozzy sings that much better than I do. I don't dislike it. I just I think the hook for the bridge is better than for the chorus. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, again, I I just I feel there's a flow to this side and it, it just, you know, kind of continues the themes of what the other songs before it did, but getting a little more upbeat, I think. Sure. And you know, and I think having a particular flow, I mean, I don't want to say that's a, a knock against the side two of the album, I think. But honestly, I don't think the songs are quite as strong. There there can be where you have like that sweet or where everything is meant to to do that, but I don't know if that was necessarily what they were going for here. Yeah. They they weren't going to be uh, the original band much longer. I think only one one other album with the original lineup uh after this one. So they're they're kind of running on steam at this point. And the fact that they're still Oh yeah. The fact that they're still coming up with, you know, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath or Sabbath Cadaver is pretty amazing at this point because I'm sure this was all about. Yeah, yeah. They were deep into the drug days at this point. And I'm, I know that uh, the recording of this album didn't go very smoothly. And I know at one point, uh, I want to say the drummer thought he was going to get fired. They were all millionaires living in L.A. having Marshall crates of cocaine shipped to their house. Right. Well, you know, one of the things, you know what, so what the kind of the part of the lore of this album Obviously, yeah, they're 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 rock stars now. They're they're snorting half of Columbia. They're living mm -hmm. it up. 
I guess they went to the rehearsals to this record they did in a castle. They kind of wanted to go back to roots. They got kind of spooked out. They thought they saw some ghosts and they were all kind of messing with each other and you know trying to scare each other. And so, which I think is kind of interesting because you would think the product would be darker. I don't think this is close to being one of Sabbath's darker records. I, I certainly not upbeat, but I think they're kind of losing that kind of grim doom metal. They're experimenting with pianos and keyboards or doing little things. So it seems kind of weird that they're in this kind of haunted environment. You'd think they would have had a darker product. Yeah. Well, I just think that they're beyond that. It's kind of hard to keep that same thing, especially when right. you're, you know, as popular as they got to be. So Yeah. And I'm glad. I mean, we're we're all the better for it because we've got this record and it, it's a it's a masterpiece. I think it's great they didn't try to stick with the formula. Certainly. Uh, I, I do have to make a correction here. Uh, Tony Iommi plays the spooky keyboards on Who Are You? Not Rick Wakeman. He only played on uh, Fluff. Oh, okay. 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 So, Which brings us to the uh, final track, Spiral Architect. Having listened to this uh, again in preparation for this, how much the guitar intro sounds to me like it could have been on Forever Changes by Love. Do you know the band Love? No. Oh really? That's something you should you should check that out. I think you'd like that. So that was a '60s Los Angeles band, one of the first multiracial bands. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I know who you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and I can't say that it sounds like an exact song. Something about that guitar intro just reminded me. I'm like, this could have been somewhere on Forever Change. But then the drums run in, and you remember, okay, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm on a Black Sabbath record. But overall, I thought it was a bit of a dud and not the best way to finish an album. I mean, it's still a good tune. I feel like this album, for as great as it is, runs out of steam. Okay. Uh, now, I would say this is probably my favorite song on this side. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, this, I, to me, this is the strongest track. I love the lyrics. I mean, that, that, the, the, uh, the intro line, Sorcerers of Madness, selling me their time. <laughs> Again, not in no way comparing it to National Acrobat, but it's kind of weird. It, it's just a kind of an off-the-wall song to me. And, but I, like I said, I love the lyrics to it. Okay, yeah. I, I One of the things I, I didn't do is really uh, study the lyrics for any of these. I kind of Because there's a, a, a podcast that I like, and they really go into the lyrics quite a bit. And so I wanted to avoid doing some of the things that they did. So I didn't do as much research with that. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's not a bad tune, but just kind of runs out of steam. What would you say? What are the, the peaks of this album for you? What are, what are, what are your highlights? National Acrobat and Sabracadabra. Yeah, and I would also throw in Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. So those three are... Like, yeah, yeah, side, yeah. You could say side, side one. I mean, to me, if I could, if I could put fluff on side two, if I could, if I could replace fluff and Spiral Architect, and that first side of this record would be perfect. Yeah, you wouldn't even need to flip it over. Exactly. Yeah, really. I'd probably never play that second. Yeah. Unless <laughs> I was just in the mood. Uh, and what would you say? What are the valleys of the album? Probably killing yourself to live. And fluff. I, I like it, but I just, I, you know, it's just, it's not, it, it breaks up that first side. Yeah. Same. I, well, I have a Fluff and Spiral Architect are the two for me. If Fluff was like a minute and a half and then it led into like pummeling, crushing guitar, I would be all over it. Metallica that they did on Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets. And Sabbath's pretty good at that. I think that's something they got really good at with Dio. Dio, they, that starting soft and melodic and then just tearing it up. Like Children of the Sea, think of that. I'm not quite as well versed. I mean, I like Dio as a as a solo artist, but I I always had that Ozzy is 
Black Sabbath thing, which I had to get over. Uh, we could do a whole podcast about that. That would be fun to do at some point, and I would have an excuse to really revisit. But uh, yeah, they were both great for me. It's like you know, I recognize that other albums, specifically Paranoid, are are more celebrated, but this one just really hits a sweet spot with me. Uh, it was both the first album that I got into by a band that I have declared as the best band of all time, but also one I think that holds up beyond nostalgia. I mean, there's a few albums I'll listen to and I, I can only hear them with 1987 ears, if that makes any sense. I've, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, there's some that it's like, but there's others where you listen to, where you hear, listen through it and you're like, oh, either, oh, it, it is a good album. I'm not remembering how much I loved it as a 16 year old. And there's others that I'm like, how did I listen to that? Because it's garbage. For a long time, I, I said Black Sabbath was the greatest rock and roll band of all time. This, yeah, especially side one of this album just does it for me. Yeah, I love it. It's it's a it's a great album. It's it's a, a peak in their career for sure. This is the last these the five. Then when you follow up with the next two, uh, Never Say Die and what was the other one? Technical Ecstasy. Technical Ecstasy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, which were actually okay. They're not horrible albums, but they definitely there's nothing nothing that this they Sabbath reached their pinnacle with this for sure in the Aussie era. And then Dio came in and just breathed new life. Sure. I don't I don't know that I've listened to Technical Ecstasy or Never Say Die all the way through. For me, yeah, Black Sabbath kind of ends around sabotage, you know. So it's like Black Sabbath, Paranoid, Master of Reality, which is one again, could have definitely picked for this podcast. Oh, okay. You know, I, and in my head I was thinking this followed that Sabbath this was before Sabotage. You're right. I, I had to reverse that. Yeah. It, Sabotage is, is a fantastic too. Sweet. That that I could easily do this for that as well. But yeah, so the, I guess we can't really say they peaked here then. No, I think if anything, Master of Reality could be seen as because I don't, I'm gonna have to go back and revisit that again. I, I think I chose this one just because of the a bit of the nostalgia and a national acrobat. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So uh, thank you very much, Joe, for joining me. Uh, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath by Black Sabbath. We'll talk to you next time. Keep on rocking. That was I Fucking Love This Record. Music at the top and the bottom by the Ashes of Grissom. Please visit our website at www.lovethisrecord.com where you can also sign up for our monthly newsletter. On Facebook and Pinterest, we are Love This Record. On Instagram and Twitter, we are Love This Record 1. A special thanks to original patron Mark Evers for getting this project back on track. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Music